You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 202 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. Jay. Hello. And Andy. Good evening, chaps. Welcome back, guys, for another week of Hobby Chatter. And this week is a very exciting week, in particular for Jay, because you have a brand new codex in your midst. The ancestors are listening. Space Dwarfs. Who'd have thought it, eh? Who'd have thought it? The squad's are back. Yeah, it's only taken us, what, 202 episodes for squats to come back. For the first, like, 100 episodes, it was a bit of a joke, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, what's the, the new joke going to be? Plastic <laughs> Thunderhawk, is it? The Lion so. coming back. They're the only two left, aren't they? Yeah, that's it. I think. Um, so uh, this week, Jay's going to take us through some of the highlights of the book. Um, you have very kindly done a complete written review and video review of the book, Jay, haven't you? Uh, yeah, not just the book, uh, the new army set. So Leagues of Votan army set. Um, we've done a full unboxing on the Sprues and Brews website. Um, there's a YouTube video up on our channel as well, where we go through all the contents of the army set. So the sprues, the codex, all the extras that you get in there as well. Um, we've also um, spent the last um, nearly two weeks building them and painting them. So we've got um, model showcases on the YouTube video and also in the um, in the article on the Sprues and Brews website as well. So basically all the info you need about the new army set, you can just go to the to the website or the YouTube channel and check it out. It's quite a long video. I think it's like an hour and a half or something. So Yeah, get a brew. It? Yeah, get yeah. a brew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know how long it is, Jay. <laughs> You've edited it. <laughs> um, all, all the content from the video as well, though, we, we, we try and do... Um, videos and written articles for all of the releases that we cover so that i know some people prefer to watch something and some people prefer to read it so you get both options if you go to the sprues and brews website see we're thinking of all of you guys out there um you can digest it however you would like it well jay is also going to discuss it on uh, this week's episode as well as i mean three ways to sort of find out about the new army three ways yeah so what else are we talking about this week? Well, we're going to keep it squats for our top three because we're going to be talking about our top three Space Dwarf models, past, present, or potentially future. Um, so this can be Votan, it can be some classic squats. Um, yeah, go nuts. So we'll discuss those later and also read out some of the community top three uh, picks towards the end of the show as well. Uh, and then, of course, we've got all of the latest news and pre-orders and all that stuff. But before we get stuck into all of that, let's have a quick chatter about what we've been doing in the hobby since the last podcast. Uh, who am I going to pick on first? Let's pick on Matt first. What have you oh. been up to, Matt? Oh, what have I been up to? Well, what's on my desk I can't talk about, so I'm going to have to scramble for something else I can talk about. Um, I have been reviewing the Aranthian Succession, Cinderac Burning the latest supplement for Necromunda. Um, unfortunately, because we've got a big jam-packed Leagues of Oten episode, we're probably not going to fit it on the show this week or next week. So if you want to check it out, head over to spruceandbrews.com. We've got a full write-up. I've also got a full video of it too. The short version, really, really cool. It, it advances the narrative of Necromunda, and there's some really fun stuff in there. I've also done some more work on my level one and level two incarnation of Eurasi, my character for the path to glory. 
And I'm really, really happy how she's turned out. She looks mint. Both versions of her. Scary, a little bit scary. Obviously, the event is happening at Halloween, so I had to go all in for the horror vibe with me playing Nighthorn. <laughs> so uh, she's she's built, she's converted. Um, I'll get an article up once I've got some. I want to get her fully painted, and then I do a little article sharing the the journey and some of the lore of her as well. Um, so yeah, check it out. Excellent. Yeah, she looks mint, proper, proper mint. I am, I'm liking the progress. We get like, um, we get a few more updates on the private WhatsApp channel of Matt working on it for out like an evening, and it, it's always good to see that it is a really, really unique looking sort of um, character model for your for your path to glory force. I'm looking forward to slaying it with the great horn rat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is very creepy. I, I'm kind of with Dave on that way. I, I can't wait to sort of kill it again because it's undead. Get it? Keep kill it again? Yeah. We want to make it dead, dead, Matt. Dead, you can dead. try and keep killing it. Now, I am going to write some lore on it. <laughs> dead, dead. I'm going to write some lore on it that's going to be as part of my army, and this will need doing in like the next month or so. I'm going to have a full like tome with kind of lore and background about it, and that'll be expanded upon across the weekend as well. So there'll be a little artifact. If you're at the event, feel free to read it. I'll have it open so you can have a flick through and learn about her. That'd be cool. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Um, Jay, what about you? What have you been up to? Oh, yes. It's been a really, really fun two weeks worth of hobbying. Um, I've been uh, building and painting the contents of the Leagues of Votan army set. So Herfkin Warriors, Hermkin Pioneers, Einher Champions and Carls. Um, I've really enjoyed oh. putting these models together. Um, you can get a full sort of all my thoughts are in the in the video and on in the, in the article about um about the the models themselves the variety on the kits and things like that um so yeah it's been it's been really fun um i originally painted them up in the um the, the greater thurian league which is like um basically in the in the book you, 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 you like chapters and things like that different chapters different tower steps and the greater thurian league is, is sort of like the cover the cover art uh, poster boys for the leagues of otam this green and white sort of color scheme and they were great fun to paint in that scheme but the it's quite a hard scheme to paint i think because the green you have to build up in a couple of layers and the the white armor as well i, I had to experiment with how to get that white armor looking looking quite um you know as, as it does on the box as close to as i could get um, but in the back of my mind, I, I wanted to do something a bit different and, and something a bit more unique. So I, I had a, a, a think about a different color scheme uh, and I've I've started painting up some of the models now in my new sort of blue and yellow color scheme, which is going to be a custom league of my own devising. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's basically what I've been up to for the last two weeks. Excellent. Yeah, your Votan J looks so good. It's probably one of the best armies you've painted. Um, can't wait to see your full new scheme um on all the models it's really exciting um yeah so 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 yeah it's only a couple of models at the moment not quite an army um but i know um we're planning the sprues and brews crusade before the end of the year and the leagues of otan are the army i want to take to the crusade so i want to try and get a thousand points painted up over the next month or so so i've got a good selection of units to sort of use um at, at the beginning of that crusade because i guess we'll be starting at like 25 power level or something like that won't we so yeah, we'll be starting live and building up as the campaign goes on. Maybe not 25, we might start at 50 or something. But we'll we'll yeah. we'll um we'll make a, a a decision on that and probably actually only in the next week or so thinking about it because I really got to get cracking on getting the scenarios finished. So um yeah, might have to make a decision on that very soon. Uh, let's go to you next, Andy. What have you been up to in the hobby? Um, well, 
because of Jay's amazing review and, and all the amazing pictures and stuff like that, I, I accidentally slipped on Saturday morning and uh, accidentally added a Legion of OTAN army set to my basket and then again accidentally hit uh, pay at checkout. And um, yeah, so <laughs> um, yeah, I've got a feeling that my hobby update in a couple of weeks' time will probably be very similar to what Jay's has been up to this week. So um but what have i been up to this week well um let's start on saturday so saturday night me and dave we had a game of Warcry, didn't we dave we did we did and what a fun game of Warcry it was yeah i i used my ogres because um i'm going to the Warcry event up at one world as of recording in two days time on thursday and i wanted to take my ogres i wanted to play the game with them just so i'm sort of a bit familiar no i'm not walking in and going what does my models do oh this is cool yeah that sort of thing so we we had a game and i think it was called the true prize for victory condition and there was effectively five objectives that sort of all around the middle of the board and dave who was the defender secretly noted down one of these five objectives and that was funnily enough the true prize and at the beginning of i think it's the combat phase of each turn dave would remove one of the tokens that wasn't the true prize so it wasn't until sort of turn four that you actually knew which one was the was the true prize and when we were playing it i think there was um i think it got to turn three and there was two objectives basically on opposite sides of a board to each other and i had thought it was the one on the left the whole way through the game because that was the first one that Dave sort of like rushed onto and really wanted to get his fighters onto. So I was convinced it was that one. But yeah, funnily enough, a Noblar had stolen the real treasure and was running away with it. But um, yeah, no, I absolutely loved it. Um, I, I think Warcry, ah, yeah, I'm going to be playing a lot of it in the near future. I mean, on my hobby desk at the minute just what i've been building today i've been building the heart of gur scenery set and i've got pretty much all of it done so far apart from the watchtower and one of the other sort of big trees with um, the platforms and stuff on there's there's those two scenery pieces i haven't finished but the rest of it i've built today um in terms of what else um let's see yesterday i had a game of kill team um, I played my Chaos Legionnaires versus um, my friend Jason's uh, Corsair Void Scarred. Void Scarred Corsairs. There you go. <laughs> um, and I took, uh, what did I take? A Chosen, two Warriors with bolt guns, a Gunner with a plasma gun, a Gunner with a Reaper chain cannon, because apart from being an absolute nightmare to build, he's awesome and I love playing with him. And the Balefire Acolyte, who, uh, I mean, it's just me, but he just keeps failing that psychic. So he has a special rule where he can cast a psychic power, great, wicked, awesome. And then you can beseech the Dark Gods, and on a free plus, you can cast a second psychic power. Well, for two turning points, I couldn't roll that free plus. He ended up taking six mortal wounds by himself. And Ugh. by the end of the game, I think he was on one wound, and I'd done more damage to myself than Jason had done to the Bear of Acolyte. I was just like, 
I think I'm going to swap him out and I'm going to go for the the butcher or the um, I forget what it's called the possessed one that's going like half demon or even the shrive talent I might swap him out and and play around with uh, some different octaves and stuff. Um, in terms of what else I've been building um, and painting, I've painted a magister for my Zinch army, um, which finishes off my um hobby resolution of adding 500 points to three existing projects so that's finally done it's out of the way i don't have to worry about it now um my only issue is i've done the armor i did it gold and then i got the um black legion contrast paint and basically used that to go into all the sort of nooks and crannies of the, the armor panels and it's kind of turned out very black legion which I, I like i love the black legion color scheme but for a disciples of zinch model i'm kind of uh i don't know if i want to repaint that part of a model but I, i'm classing it as done now it, it's it's done and it's out of the way but yeah i might i might repaint his armor and stuff um and apart from that i've finished building the mordor battle host box so i finished building all the war riders and the Mordor Orc, so that's all built. Um, i just got to wait for some time off to uh, get it all primed and, yeah, crack on with that. But then, you know, we've got the, the Path to Glory event coming up in just over a month's time, so I need to really sort of get on and get that sort of stuff painted. And, uh, yeah, that, that's that's it for me this week. Excellent. Quite a bit done there, Andy. A couple of games as well, which is always nice to hear and um, so that just leaves myself and i think i'll start with warcry as well i think me and jay played a little bit of warcry when the very first box came out but that that has been it for me in warcry um but now i've had that game with andy on saturday it's fully got me involved like i want to bust out a compendium now and make a proper before i was like you know yeah it looks fun you know i'll get one of the box i, I actually had a box of spire tyrants in the wardrobe so in my pile of shame so i i built those up specifically to face andy they were a lot of fun but it really tempted me to actually look at the compendium now now that i know what i'm doing and what i'm looking for and how the game plays um, but i do intend to get the spy spire tyrants painted as well because they are really cool chaos models and yeah i think i'm gonna have to buy some yeah i'm only gonna use them as a bit of a precursor for a future slaves army next year so I'm thinking of painting them each. Um, I actually allied in a Chaos Sorcerer, which was a lot of fun. Um, really enjoyed using that warband. Um, but it's just just a really straightforward game. I'd actually say I think I prefer it to prefer Warcry to Underworlds. Um, I think, uh, personally speaking. So uh, yeah, I'd look forward to having some more games with um, with you guys. That. Did you guys did you guys do any of the the like narrative stuff? Because that's what really excites me about it. The whole kind of like narrative campaign art. We, it was just a it was just a one off game really. Um, Andy really had his eye on that um, uh, objective, the treasure one, uh, which was really fun to play. I tried to be clever and I put the objective towards Andy's army, thinking that you know. And of all the ones he grabbed and ran off with, he only did that to one, and that was the one that was the prize <laughs> asset, which was typical. Um, and then I was kind of trying to fight my way to get it back, which I un- unsuccessfully 
um, didn't do, unfortunately. But um, it was a really good game, Andy. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, but, ogres um, are tough. <laughs> just I didn't so realise how tough. So many wounds. <laughs> and also what didn't help me is I didn't realise that the compendium had updated. I said to Andy at the beginning of the game, it's really nice opening this box of Spire Tyrants and having all your cards. Then later found out that all those cards are now pointless because they've all been replaced with new rules uh, in the compendium, including the fighter profiles as well. They've all changed. Um, all the all the actions they've changed. So I, I had kind of hindered myself a little bit by playing the the cards from the box because we have been buffed from the compendium. Uh, but never mind. It was still a fun game, and uh, you know, learn for next time. But that is only a little bit of what I've been doing in the hobby this week because um, it's been quite a busy one. Uh, on the more website side of things, I have painted the Goliath Maulers for Necromunda. They are really cool. Really fun models to build. Uh, had absolutely no problems building them and a real joy to paint as well. Um, I built them as they were on the box. I've got one with a heavy bolt, one with a grenade launcher, one with like the big wheel and the other one with like the meat grinder thing at the front, which is a very clever use of um, sprue parts, actually. It's the same parts, but you use them backwards, um, which is really clever. Might not have explained that very well, but if you treat yourself to a box, you'll understand <laughs> what I mean. Um, so that they were an awful lot of fun and got a video and um, written review up on the website as well for those. Um, of course, I edited Jay's fantastic Votan um, content, which was really good, actually, because um, it, it meant I had to watch the review in, in full and, and really enjoyed it and really got me scared of playing the Votan, if I'm honest. But <laughs> there you go. Um, so that, that was that, that that was that kept me quite busy. Um on my painting desk, I have been, I finished my Storm Vermin. Um, I've finished a 20 man unit of clan rats, so I've just got the big bulk of the, the 40 to do. A 20 rat unit of clan rats. Yeah, um, which I'm hoping to do as much of this week as I possibly can. Uh, once I start sitting down and start painting clan rats, they tend to uh, pick up pace and I tend to get them done quite quickly. So it's actually the bases that seem to take the most time, to be fair. Because um, you've got to leave the PVA glue to dry, and then you've got to wait to leave the um, basing material to dry the, the modern earth. Um, so that tends to take the longest. Um, but I have wanted to um, test the water on something else this week as well. So I have been painting um, two Cadian miniatures um, with one eye firmly fixed on what we know is coming in the future, the new Astra uh militar militarium militarum astra militarum militarum but thanks imperial guard imperial guard um so i've painted a squad sergeant and also a very famous character for me and jay played when we were but youngins um i've, I've inherited this model off jay it was a uh he's now a platoon commander but he was back in the day a junior officer that once slayed a terminator um so i've painted those Legend. two models and honestly, I can't stop looking at them. Like, I'm so imp- I'm so pleased with how they look. I can't. I just every now and again, I just pick one up. I pick one of these two models up and go, I really like how that's painted. So, um, really looking forward to to painting much more of those. But that's going to be in a few weeks. I'm going to have to resist painting any more of those because I've got the scaven to do and other bits and bobs. Um, and uh, I've also been painting uh, an Inquisitor, the store anniversary one from this year, Erasmus something or other, can't think of his name, 
the guy with the sword stabbing the demon in the book. Um, he is about 50% there, I would say. Um, thinking of entering him into our local Warhammer Stores painting competition, actually. Ooh. The Golden Nurgling. So um, I'm hoping to get him done for that. Which I believe is the 1st of October, the deadline for that one. I believe um, it is, yeah. So I'm hoping to get him done for then. And I think that is me. So yeah, quite quite a busy one this week. That's a that's a good week for you, Dave. You've paid an awful lot there. It is. I've kind of got into um I've I've got a lot of things out of the way and um I've got a new painting set up at home. Um it just makes life a whole lot easier. Uh so yeah, I'm looking forward to keeping that rhythm going, getting scaven done in plenty of time for the Path to Glory event, and then hopefully I can start getting some Cadian. Oh, I want to get uh, like you, Jay, uh, at least a good starting force ready for when the um, the book lands, so I can get some games in straight away. Uh, they won't, however, be joining the Crusade because I've got some Knights of Titan for that um, to use in our Crusade. The guard will be used after that. But yeah, I think we've all had quite a busy week on the hobby side. Uh, without further ado, let's go to our first break, and when we come back, we're going to have all of this week's news. So we'll be right back. So what do we have in the news this week, Matt? Well, it's it's a bit of an eye in the storm. It's, it's a quieter week, which, and it, in the grand scheme of things, it's not even that quiet, but compared to like 18 new editions, five new books and a whole model range, it's a quiet week. So uh, we've got Battle Tome, Disciples of Zinch, up for pre-order. So and I'm very excited about this one. Andy, I'm sure, is very excited about this one too. And Dave, you've dabbled with the Zinch uh, recently, haven't you? Yeah, they look really cool. Yeah, well, you you could get your chance to savor Zinch's gifts very soon with the Battle Dome Disciples of Zinch. It is £32.15 is up for pre-order um, next Saturday. So, yeah, looking forward to digging into this one and having a lot because I do like me a bit of chaos. Uh, alongside this is going to be cards at £19 and dice at £24. The dice are quite nice to have for your um, Destiny dice. Um, I, I think I preferred the old ones, which were a bit more chaotic and worked really well for the Destiny dice. But uh, I'm a dice fiend. I like collecting them. Now, if you are new to collecting Zinch, Dave, and you wanted to kind of like ease your way into the... Um, the, the 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 master of fates grand plan you might want to pick up the vanguard disciples of zinch this is 80 pounds and it contains a magistron disc 10 zangors 10 caracacolites three flamers and three screamers of zinch this works out if you bought it separately about 112 pound 25 so personally if you can still get it i'd go for arcane cataclysm and sell the lumineth stuff personally i think that's a better starter army for you because you get more well mortal stuff you don't get any of the demon stuff in there it's still a discount which is good um obviously at the minute i don't know what's good in the book so you know it could be that acolytes and zangos are amazing and you want to buy like three of these we'll find out in like a week or two but um definitely savings so 32 pound 25 you save on buying it all separately so that's pretty cool and that's it for like new pre-orders, which is a quiet, quiet week that we've had for a long, long time. There are, however, some cool made-to-order stuff available, including some classic Space Marines. Wow, some of these guys are pretty old. You've got um, you've got the uh, various captains, 
the master of marches, the master of rites, the master of relics, uh, Space Marine Captain in Terminator armor, some really cool old models that actually some of these, like the uh, the, the three master models, would work really well for some of the consoles for um, 30k yeah, as well. Definitely, yeah. So I was tempted to actually pick up. They're a little bit dated now by modern uh, model kind of standards, but I think they'd still fit the bill for that. So that's cool. They're not as cool, though, as our final made-to-order this week, the breaking of the Fellowship. Now, if you want to play the Middle-Earth Strategy Battle game and you want an entire army in a box, go for the Fellowship. They're really, really cool. The current plastic kit, I'm not a fan of. I think they're really kind of soft sculpts and the likenesses aren't very good. The original metal models, however, are excellent with excellent likenesses. And it is the metal versions that are on the made to order as well. So I'll be ordering a set of these to paint up because 20 years ago I painted these up and maybe my painting wasn't quite as good 20 years ago. So uh, I'll be painting these up because they look awesome. Dave, you've you've been toying with Lord of the Rings and I think Fellowship would be a good fit for you because it's basically an army of heroes. Yeah, I think if I'm going to get a, a box of anything for Middle Earth, it could be these. So they look really cool. Um, they will be available on made-to-order until the 2nd of October, which I believe is the same date the current batch of made-to-order stuff is available, such as uh, old Bilbo, um, another Gandalf model, and the Fate of the Witch King as well, which on payday I might have to order the Fate of the Witch King and Bilbo as well, just for nostalgia value. So, yeah, some pretty cool stuff up for um, for pre-order. So, we've got some Horus Heresy goodies this week in the news. Now, last week, we saw a new assassin, and this week, we've had another new assassin, the Venenum assassin, which is really hard to say, because it's got too many ends in it for my life. Venenum? The, the Venenum. <laughs> he, he deals with Venom, so he's a Venenum, Venenum, Venenum <laughs> assassin. Um, he's, he's an expert with poisons, toxins, and venoms, and... But not spelling, no. And he is—he looks pretty cool. I like the look of this model. Looking forward to uh, to painting one up. Uh, we said last week with all these new assassins popping up, I want to do a uber execution force. Um, so I believe we've probably got another couple of assassins that we need to see. Presumably, Games Workshop will be revealing one of these each week until the new book comes out, which I believe is October. And we're not far off October, so I know you're uh, eagerly awaiting that book because that's probably the army you're going to be taking in uh, November, isn't it, Jay? The, yeah, uh, the, the Legio Custodes, that's it, yeah. You might be able to slot an assassin into your custody force if there's one that takes your fancy uh, as well. Why do you need a single assassin when you've got an army of assassins? This is true, this is true. So he looks pretty cool. Now, if you play Thousand Suns, Dave, there was an exemplary battles article this week featuring a brand new Thousand Suns unit. The um, the numerologist. I've got all the really hard to say ones this week. Um, yeah, these look pretty cool. Have you had a look at the rules on this one, Dave? Yeah, I really like them. Uh, I really like these. It, it kind of made me want to play some Thousand Sons in Heresy. Um, if I decide to add to my Thousand Sons, I'll be adding a unit of these. Because um, it's a really good makeup uh, of a unit. Uh, and the rules are pretty tasty as well. Uh, and it's not too badly priced, like what you know, to, how to put them together in the way that they suggest. So... Yeah, I really like this. Uh, well worth download if you've got a, a 1K Sons um, Heresy Army. Yeah, I really like these articles that uh, Warhammer Community have been putting out. It's like mini free supplements, isn't it? Yeah. 
speaking of which, uh, we also got the same essentially for Necromunda with Apocrypha Necromunda. And this similar situation we get a load of lore, but we also got uh, new rules for the Delac Spikers. So the big freaky psychic guy with the big head, there's some new psychic powers for him. And also rules for demonically possessed corpse grinder cultists, which sounds horrific. Yeah, they don't sound very nice at all. So you probably don't want to bump into one of them on a dark alley. So that is that is up for um, for download at the moment. Now, gentlemen, a couple of months ago, we saw the first reveal of the Dawnbringer Crusades, the new take, I guess, on the cities of Sigmar. And in the article, they've been like this. These aren't this year. This is next year. However, they did start to show off some of the weapons. And I've got to say, it looks like there's a range of weapons of different sizes and maybe different races kind of wielding them. You um, you commented, didn't you, Jay, that there could be some like dwarven weapons in here and more elfy looking weapons, maybe? Yeah, well, when I was looking through the article later in the day and I was um, there's some um, uh, artwork images and I'm just looking at it again now, and I was like, if you, if, I don't know if you've got it open in front of you, but if you look at, um, if you look so at that, the back, the artwork like... is artwork from the current cities of Sigma, which does obviously include dwarves uh, and elves in okay. it. We haven't seen any new Dawnbringer Crusade artwork. However, Got you. like with our kind of mixed race party in Curse City, I, if you magnify, kind of magnify Curse City into an army, that's what I suspect the Dawnbringers will look like. And that's really exciting. You've got some, you know, you've got swords and axes, but you've got some really like meaty warhammers and stuff. You've got some cool like pistols with bayonets. Have yeah. you seen um, the World of Warcraft film where the, um, the humans in, yeah, attack the orc camp towards the end and they've got their um, boomsticks and, um, you know, like knights charging into combat with pistols? It gives me a proper sort of World of Warcraft Stormwind type sort of feel about it all really cool yeah in fact you know what one of the one of the things that we've often tried to do in the past is is and we've never done it but we've gone about converting up some kind of like warcraft kind of themed armies and I, this is the kind of sense that i'm getting from these i can see big like plate armored even some of the elements of like bretonian stuff i think we might see in this for you like proper knights and that's quite exciting yeah, in the um, I think it was the Dominion book that that's basically centered around one of these uh, Dawnbringer Crusades that goes out into the realm of Gur to settle the city, and the feel that I get from that that there's um, a cogsmith who's basically like the lead architect. He's the one that designs the city and is responsible for for effectively building it all. Then there's um, loads of humans because they're kind of like the most numerous of all the, the races sort of thrown in there. But then there's uh, like demigriff knights and stuff like that who are like the the nobles, the, the, the higher up sort of thing. I mean, you've got like priestesses and, you know, all this sort of stuff. But it, it never really mentions like regular dwarves. The, the dwarves in the book are effectively like the engineering part of the Dawnbringer Crusade. So I'm kind of I'm I'm hoping that we get like a militia kit that is you know it's got like a couple of dwarf um, members an elf member and humans and whatever mixed in together rather than it be you know just humans but it's early days yet isn't it so well it's funny you say that Andy because think back to Mordheim 
where the original militia kit came out, which had a load of different parts because it was designed for more time. What if we got Dawn Bringer Crusades militia, you know, mixed race, different weapons and stuff, that is also a Warcry warband? Uh, I mean, it would definitely fit the theme because they've been doing that sort of stuff with Kill Team, haven't they? Where they yeah. released the effectively the kit with like an upgrade frame and then the other kill team is like a brand new kill team for, for the game, which then eventually gets put into the actual codex and gets given rules for, you know, 40k or, you know, in this case, Age of Sigmar. So, yeah, I could definitely see stuff like that getting introduced into Warcry first. You know, what I'd like to see is the big centerpiece model for this range, a Cogfort. Cogfort, yeah. That was in the background, isn't it? I think. It is. It's Cogfort. been multiple times in the background, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, they have um, monoliths as well, which are like these giant floating um, mountains that they keep all like the resources and stuff on. And they're pulled um, by these massive change and these they're kind of described as like giant rhino monsters. Um, and each Stormbringer Crusade gets given three of these um, and they have to obviously keep them safe and what have you. They're just like big floating islands being pulled by rhinos on the ground. And that sort of stuff is super cool. I mean, Andy, you had me at giant rhino. So let's hope <laughs> we get those. Um, so, yeah, sounds really exciting. Um, obviously, these are going to be a little while away. We've got um, a lot of releases until then. But I think as we go into next year, I'm super excited to see what we get. But that's not to say there's you know, not cool stuff coming out for Age of Sigmar this year. And Warhammer Community today showed off another new Mega Gargan for the Sons of Bayamat, the Beast Smasher. So, yeah, it's it's cool. We kind of thought when we saw King Brod, we kind of thought when we, we kind of thought when we saw King Brod that it was a bit of a disappointment that we only built one new type of Gargan. But actually, look at the box contains two new ones that you can build. Um, the the um, the Beast Smasher does what it says on the tin, I guess. He smashes beasts with his massive kind of mine here on a stick. And rules-wise, that just looks amazing. Range three inches, three attacks, three to hit, two to wound, unknown rend, presumably quite high, and damage five. However, if he is fighting a monster, he can trade in all his attacks for a single attack. That if it does go through does 5d6 damage that is really really cool <laughs> i just see that and i just think so many things can go wrong with that you can, yeah, miss, yeah. The hit, you can miss the wound and then you can roll five ones for the damage <laughs> yeah yeah i i as a sons of bearmut player I, I kind of looked at that and i was like that's uh, that's very cool like it's very thematic you know he is the beast smasher he's going to smash a beast to pieces with that but then sort of like having played Sons of Bama, I look at that and, and Jay's just highlighted the exact same thing. I was like, there's so many things that could go wrong with that one attack. You know, you could not roll a three up to hit. You could roll that one to wound. You know, the rend, okay, like you said, it's probably going to be quite high, let's face it, if it's going to be that sort of damage to five D6. You know, I'm gonna cry if I roll anything less than a ten on five D6. Um <laughs> I, I've been crunching some numbers, and I think on average you do 10 or 11 damage. You've got five dice. Uh, sorry, you've got a single dice. Let's assume it hits. Let's assume it wounds. You've got, what, 7, 14, okay, maybe a little bit more. 15, 16 damage on average? 
obviously you've yeah. got the potential to like do a load of damage, but you, like Jay said, you've also got the potential to do nearly nothing. And used to hit, okay, you can all out all out attack him, but there's still two anything but a one roll was that if Dave ever played <laughs> yeah. Mega Gargan, he would never get to the wound one because he's rolled a one for the to hit. When it goes off though, can you imagine when it goes off? Whack. Oh, can you imagine and then it the goes off the next in Warhammer World? Whack. Yeah, it'd be ace. Yeah. Also, I mentioned briefly to you guys as well, um, if you're fighting like a unit of monsters, this thing could just go through them as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, right. So like... Um, I like Rhinox cavalry monsters and stuff like that. Or... And the Stormcast dragons, have they got the monster keyword? Stormcast yeah, dragons, they're monsters, yeah. yeah. So one of these <laughs> could take out a unit of them no time. So, yeah, I'm excited to... Um, I, the problem is, and I think you're probably going to have the same problem as well, Andy, I'm going to have to buy two King Broad kits so I can build both these variations. Yeah, I, I have already planned it out. I think one of them is going to be a treat for Christmas, and then the other one will probably be a treat for my birthday in April. So, yeah, I'm going to have to spread it out because, yeah, I mean, I love playing Giants. I really do, and I'm really excited for a new battle tome. And, um, yeah, 5d6 damage. <laughs> <laughs> he also mentions as well in the article that destruction armies, Dave and Andy, can take a um, a mercenary version called Odo Godswallow. Um, so if you play ogres or orcs or something, you can take along your very own 5d6 damage monster smashing giant to go and punch bigger giants. Just out of curiosity, then because you've been mocking me, I happen to have five dice here. You're gonna roll to hit for you're gonna roll to hit and wound okay. first, Dave. Okay. Three's to I'm hit, two's to wound. <laughs> this is the bit where you fail. I'm rolling to hit. I've rolled a six. Mm. I'm rolling to wound. Anything but a one. I've rolled a three. Ooh. So oh, hit, okay. I've wounded. Okay. I've done uh you're gonna be disappointed, guys. I've done eleven, fifteen, sixteen to eighteen damage. Well, that's cool. And that's just, you know, random roll there. His base attacks, he can do a maximum of 15 if he doesn't use that special rule. So I think on average, it'll probably be worth it. But you will be disappointed if you roll low. Yeah, absolutely. Now, that... we, before we go, before we go to the next section, though, we do have some breaking news. Dave, can I get a little breaking news sound effect, please? There you go. So we have got news in from i forgot what they're called we have got some news in from fat shark the developers of warhammer 40,000 dark tide and the warhammer 40,000 dark tide closed beta will be the 14th to the 16th of october you can head over to playdarktide.com to sign up for your chance for a weekend playing dark tide before the game comes out so we have all furiously gone to the website and tapped in our details so uh Hopefully, we'll be have a chance to play that in a couple of weeks. I'm so looking forward to Dark Tide. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be great fun. I mean, the trailers and stuff like that. So, um, if we do get in, no doubt we'll have some content on here as well. Excellent. Quite a bit of news. Lots of exciting things to come. What is exciting is the new leagues of Votan, which Jay is gonna take us through. (laughs) 
So, Jay, you have got in front of you the new Leagues of Votan Army Set and Codex. Would you like to lead us into this next segment? Yeah, oh, this it, it it's it, I've been really excited about this army set. It, it's um, I've really enjoyed every sort of component of it. To be fair, um, the first brand new faction introduced to Warhammer 40k, I think maybe since the Custodies or Gene Steeler Cults, maybe. Yeah, we've had we've had Death Guard and, and Gene Steeler Cults, haven't we? But it's certainly been a, a couple of years since a brand new one, hasn't it? Yeah, so it's always always cool. Um, the army set itself, I think, is a really, really good value product. I mean, one, you're getting the advantage that you're you're getting the models and the codex a, a, a little bit earlier than the sort of main release that follows. And we're not quite sure yet when the main release is going to follow, but I, I suspect it will be sometime this year. Um, but two, actually, I think the contents of it are actually really, really good. So you get you get a sort of collected edition version of the codex with some nice artwork on the front of it. Um, and I have to say, actually, on the artwork side, the actual box the the set comes in, there's like a sleeve and then another box inside. The, there's artwork all over that that's really really cool as well. So you know, just 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 the basic the packaging is really really nice. Um, inside you get um, the data cards, so you get all the stratagems, the psychic powers. There's a, there's a single psychic discipline in the codex, the the um, Skynrot discipline. Uh, you get all those powers in that deck of cards as well, a nice little cardboard box. Um, <clears throat> you get two transfer sheets um the transfer sheets are really really nice as well um with transfers on for all of the different um leagues that are in the book so leagues are like your chapters or your tau seps so there's i think there's five of them in the book and you get a, a selection of transfers for each one um and then some general transfers as well like numbers and iconography and and like um different kill markings and things that you can put across uh, the rest of your models so the transfer sheets are really really cool um you also which is <laughs> i really like as well is you get a, a cardboard um um tokens like punch out double-sided tokens uh, like an a4 size cardboard sheet with all these tokens on that you can use in your games to represent judgment tokens grudge tokens and things like that um i love stuff like that I, I, that's really really cool it's a shame there were no dice in there but i don't think we've seen any custom dice in any army set so black templars and sisters of battle i think the sisters of battle did have dice in but they were just they, like they had generic dice the yeah. the um the illuminous had nice yellow dice and that was the last did, yeah them. yeah um, so that would be my only. I mean, I can't really complain because I think the value in the box is quite is quite good anyway. It's 120 pounds the boxes, and you can pre-order it, it still. I think. So so it's sold out in a lot of places. Element Games still have some. Uh, I don't know. Imagine not many, uh, and they are selling it at 96 pounds. I'm sure Dave, if we ask him nicely, will put in an Element Games link to the Leagues of Otan army set. Um, oh, 96 quid. That is absolutely going to be cheaper than the individual like components discount in the book, isn't it? So yeah. I'm, I'm very tempted myself. If I didn't have like a load of armies to do, I mean, I love squats. We've talked about this on the show. I think I'm going to probably do them next year. So it's whether I put put one away for a while. I don't know. I, I think I might resist this one, but it does look cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so yeah, the code and all that stuff. And then, you, like you say, you also get all those models. So you get two, two, two squads of Hermkin Warriors, which are your only troops option, your, your basic um, uh, Leagues of Otan um, troops unit, 20 of them. Um, you get three of the Hernkin Pioneers, which are like the the bikes, the trikes, the hover trikes. They're really really cool. And then you get two characters, the Iron Hair Champion and the Carl, which you can build as the named character for the Destined as well. So it's a cracking set, really. Yeah. So it was great fun to get into that 
put all that together. I've done an extensive um, unboxing and, and um, sort of miniature showcase on, on the Sprues of Brews YouTube channel, like I said at the beginning of the podcast. So you can go on there and get close-ups of the Sprues and the different models we've built and that kind of thing. So I don't want to spend too much time talking about that here. I'll just direct you to the site. But big thumbs up. I really enjoy building them. Um, <clears throat> considering you've only got one troops choice in the book, the Herfkin Warriors, there are that many sort of accessories, different heads, helmed heads, female heads, male heads ironkin heads you've got backpack accessories tons of weapon options so they come with basically two main sort of loadouts the the iron blaster gun or the autark bolter you can kit your squads out with those special weapons like a whole range of different special weapons melee weapons knives pistols i, I i'm pretty sure you can build you know three or four squads of these and, and they'll all look completely different so i was really really impressed with the variety on such a small unit uh, selection of units the, the variety they packed in on those sprues um and the, the same can be said for the hernkin pioneers which were the bikes as well basically three individual sprues to build those three bikes and there's loads of customizable options on there from different heads different weapon options all these little accessories that you can litter across the bike really really cool um and a lot of the parts as well are interchangeable so you can use different head options on different uh, kits. So the Iron Hair Champion, for example, he's the big exosuit dwarf with the hammer or the axe. Um, it, it comes with two uh, male heads, but I've built mine with one of the female heads from the Herfkin Warrior Sprues. It looks perfect. It looks great. So she, she's a, a female Iron Hair Champion now. Um, and again, for the Carl, comes with three male heads. You can easily substitute some of that for some of the female heads. I, I need to try... Um, with the iron kin whether you can you can substitute an iron kin head so um the iron kin are really cool i'll come to those onto those in a bit but yeah it'd be great to see a few iron kin characters i think and i reckon you could probably do that so i mean games workshop nowadays it's very rare they release a model that doesn't sort of impress you or wow you even if it's a faction that you're not necessarily interested in we've seen that with a lot of the new chaos models recently i'm I'm not a chaos fan but i i really appreciate some of the chaos sculpts that are coming out at the moment um, so I, I think, you know, from a modeling point of view, you're going to enjoy the detail in the, the, the sort of um, sculpts for these Lisa Botan units as well. Um, the yeah. codex itself then. Oh, sorry, Andy, you're going to say something there, bud. Um, back when they were originally sort of showing pictures off and stuff for them, I'm not going to lie, I wasn't the biggest fan. But in the last sort of like couple of weeks or so, I, I, I just think the miniatures range once you get your head around they are space dwarves it's so cool like the exosuits like the um what's it the n here hearth guard i'm here hearth guard yeah those for me are just like absolutely jaw-dropping amazing and like even all the all the models that you get in the army set are absolutely fantastic and when you look at it you effectively you get two HQ choices, don't you? Effectively, so in the army know, set, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I think it's what 600-ish points, a rough guess off the top of my head. So it's not a huge amount away from having like a 1,000 point force just from that one box. And yeah, I the models themselves have have really grown on me. Maybe not the color scheme games which have gone for. But um, I, li- I like the new one you've got for Jay with the, the blue and a bit of yellow. I think those are really nice. Yeah, on the on the on the kind of like making this into a um, a, a 
kind of crusade as well. I suspect if you get a couple of the ATVs and I don't know unit of berserkers or something, you probably will on the way for a you know fifty power army, aren't you? Well, that that's exactly what I'm thinking, Matt. Is that I, I, I want to add a unit of the Cafonia berserks, which are like your sort of Slayer close combat, heavily augmented dwarfs, and some transports for them. And I think yeah, that's exactly what I'm heading for for that first first one thousand points. And then you've got you can expand them because I have to say. There's 12 data sheets in the codex, so there's not a massive range yet, and we'll come on to this. There are lots of hints in the book, lots of hints and lots of clues dropped at what we might see in the not-too-distant future with perhaps a, a, a version 2 of the codex for 10th edition. Um, I, I, I would put money on this range getting expanded with, with certain units, which we'll talk about shortly. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great start. Um, and uh, you get a good mix there as well, close combat, shooty, you get some nice characters, some vehicles. Do we know what's in the uh, the combat patrol, Jay? Yeah, the combat patrol, I think, as well. Let me flick to the page. So, obviously, this isn't confirmed, but I think you're going to get another three bikes, ten Hearthkin warriors, five Kefonia berserks, which are your sort of close combat topless dwarfs, with the special Ironkin, um, the mole grenade launcher weapon, and another Carl. So, you're sort of duplicating a lot from the army set. Um, the only other new unit you're getting is that, that unit of five berserks. Um, but I, I think that's pretty good. That'll give you two or three troops choices, six bikes, um, and then a, a unit of these Caphonia berserks. You know, I, I think that's a good a good way to sort of expand your collection from the army set. Um, I think it would have been nice to see maybe like a, a different HQ option in that box rather than the Carl, but like I say, we haven't seen the box yet. This is just guessing based on the Combat Patrol page in the Codex. So, yeah, but um, I, I am impressed with Modridge. And, yeah, I agree with what you said there, Andy. I also think that there's a lot in the sort of um, aesthetic of the army to appeal to different players. So you've got, you know, the old sort of almost the old sort of squat look and feel with the trikes and the, you know, the bolters and things like that. They they do sort of look a little bit like squats as well. But then certainly from my side, I really like the the fantasy dwarf aesthetic that sort of baked into the army as well. Mm. There's lots of um, dwarven motifs and dwarven runes in, um, engraved in the armor and in the hammers and the axes. Um, you've got the beard, um, beards, sorry, and the heavily armored type ironbreaker feel to them. So I think it appeals to old time squat fans and fantasy dwarf players as well. I think they've done a good job there. Yeah, I mean, in fantasy, you're always a fan of elves and dwarfs and Obviously, elves, they've got the Eldar in 40k, but apart from the squats, which uh, they did have a bit of a silly biker vibe. They were very 80s. It was a different time uh, where the leagues of Votan, they've taken the concept of space dwarfs, but put it through a completely different lens. And I think it really works well. Yeah, I, 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 I'm happy. I'm really happy with the, the look of the army. So the, the codex itself then is um, I was I've enjoyed reading through the codex from cover to cover. Um, I was a bit nervous, so to, I guess, at how they would sort of reintroduce the squats back into the Warhammer 40,000. Said a lot has happened since the squats have disappeared, and we've read and heard of so many stories and so many battles and so many events and developments where the squats aren't mentioned. And you're like, well, if they've been a part of this universe, this galaxy for that long, why has there been no mention of them in the lore and this kind of thing? How are they going to sort of retrofit them in? And I think they've done a 
great job. I don't want to spoil too much of, of the law because you'll enjoy reading through it, but suffice to say, I was really satisfied with the way Games Workshop have written the background and law for this um, army. Um, the 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 the, um, the kin, as they call themselves, um, they, they originated from Terra before the Great Crusades. They set off to the galactic core, this resource-heavy area of the galaxy, um, and their, you know, their um, genetic makeup and all their equipment and the botanical, they, they were basically, you know, geared to survive in, and prosper in that environment, and that's where they've been. But they have been branching out into what they call far space, which is the rest of the galaxy, where, which, you know, where the humans in, inhabit this, you know, where, where most of the Warhammer 40,000 sort of setting plays out. Um, and there's, there's lots of stories about how they interact with the different races, how they've been interacting with the different races over the millennia. Um, they've got their own ambitions, their own desires. Um, they've got their own technology, um, their own society, their own culture. Uh, there, there's um, lots of stories and background about how the different factions of the kin interact with each other. Um, they've got their own tales of tragedy and loss. Um, and they've also got their own tales of sort of, um, um, you know, um, triumph and, and how they may survive and prosper in the in the 41st millennium with the rift taking, you know, cutting the galaxy in half and that and that kind of thing. It was really, really fun to read about all of that. Um, the Votan as well. There's lots of, um, I think, scope as well for how they could develop this faction into, into the future. So the Votan, the leagues of Votan, the Votan themselves are these massive artificial intelligences, these massive artificial machines, thinking machines that the the kin sort of set off to the galactic core with on on board their massive sort of you know colonial ships um and over the millennia they've you know they've provided the kin with um law and wisdom and guidance and 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 this kind of thing but but there are stories about how some of the votan have been lost some of them have been captured some of them have been destroyed there's even a really really cool um background about one of the votan which was defended on a hold world, which was overrun by the Tyranids. But of course, because the Votan is, a, is an artificial being, the Tyranids left it alone. And this Votan is basically sat on this husk of a world for, for thousands of years and just gone insane, gone mad. And there's sort of ties back in then to some of the stories about the Squats being devoured by the Tyranids in the Galactic Core, and that's why they disappeared the first time around. So it's really, really cool. Um, I think, like I said, I think, I think fans of the original Squats will, will, will find lots of things like that in this codex to that sort of bring a smile to the face so that's sort of the law and i, I don't really want to say too much more about that because like i say, I, I think people are really going to enjoy reading through it themselves um what i will say is that the the kin as they call themselves um they share a lot of sort of technological sort of background and foundations with the imperium of man but it has developed on its own sort of path now and i, I would say there are they are much more high tech than than the Imperium Man, much more in line with the Tau, really, in terms of their technological um, sort of um, ingenuity and, and progress that they've made. Um, and one one area where they they really do diverge from from the rest of mankind is in their sort of acceptance of machine intelligences. In particular, you've got the Votan, but also the Ironkin. Um, so I think the Ironkin are a really really cool concept that I'd like to see developed going forward as well. So. Basically, Ironkin, if you think of them as like Tau drones, but they are held in much higher esteem than Tau drones. They are treated as equals with, with regular living kin. Um, and you can see in some of the model range with the domed helmets and the more augmented type legs and things like that, I think they're supposed to represent these Ironkin. 
and and like I say, they they are they have their own personalities, their own behaviours, even though they are artificial intelligences. And whereas in the Imperium Man, that would probably get you, well, seriously. Sounds like questioned. tech heresy to me. Yeah, you know, you're in trouble. I think if you start playing around with machine intelligences in the Imperium Man, the kin have embraced it, and you know they rely on these iron kin to perform jobs that that regular kin would perform as well. And there's some really, really cool background about the Ironkin and, and there's really cool models to represent them as well. But there's a really cool bit where um, you get medics in the squads and the medics are trained, obviously, to provide first aid uh, assistance to, to kin, to, to the regular the squads themselves. But they're also trained to give first aid to the Ironkin as well and uh, like leave no Ironkin behind. And whereas if you were like in the Imperial Man and the Servitor got his arm blown off or his leg blown off, you'd just get some spare parts and bolt them on or whatever. But but the the Ironkin and the medics for the for the leagues of Otan they're, they're trained to actually treat the Ironkin you know and repair the damage rather than swap parts out and things like that it's really really cool um, I'd love to see some more Ironkin units or some Ironkin characters and that kind of thing and I also think that's a really really cool because I really like the way the kin treat the Ironkin with that respect and treat them as equals mankind obviously fear artificial intelligence but they fear it for a good reason you know the men of Iron they had issues with that you know it caused no a lot issues, of problems. Yeah. From a, Oh, you know, we may we may sort of applaud the the kin's approach to machine intelligences and that kind of thing, but really, are they making a mistake? Could the Ainkin turn on them? Is uh, you know, it could I, get... I, I, I've seen lots of films about killer robots. It doesn't generally <laughs> yeah. end well, does it? <laughs> so I mean, that's great. I would love to see anything, uh, but I mean, I'm really tempted to to to, to build a lot more Ainkin through my army. In one of the Hernkin pioneers that I built and painted, I actually built and paint with a, as an Ironkin, so he's got that domed helmet, which I don't think you see many pictures of that on the Warhammer community site or, or things. But you can do that. You can you can you can even make your Hernkin pioneers Ironkin. I'm going to definitely make some of my Hearthguard Einher Hearthguard Ironkin as well. Um, so I'm, if I'm getting this right, because I, I didn't realise any of this. I, I I thought they were all squats. I didn't realise that some of them were actually robots. Yeah, that's you know, super cool <laughs> some of them are robots yeah and like i say they're, they're treated as equals in 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 the society as well and they they perform roles as best they can so the actual kin society itself they're they're a clone society so these votan they've got like a a, a, a massive gene pool of all different traits and, and and things like that they can they can they can um forge the new generation of kin each time through this crucible and obviously, if they, they, you know, they need kin that can go into mines and, in, and, you know, strip mine planets in the galactic core or, or various other environments. They can they can produce generations that are more suited to that using the vast resources of their sort of big gene pools they've got access to. Um, so so they are like a, a clone society. Um, interestingly, they are more numerous than both the Eldar and the Tau, according to the Codex. So not as populous as the humans, but but much more numerous than Eldar and Tau, which gives you a sort of sense of the scale of their sort of empire in the galactic core. That, that surprises me. Yeah, yeah, it, it's really good. With the, in particular with the Tau, because I thought with them being a, mm. an expanding race. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Now, see, see, the Votan were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think <laughs> if they should. <laughs> <laughs> but but i mean yeah reading through the, the codex the 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 leagues of votan are a force to be reckoned with in the galaxy they're not a a small sort of conclave of aliens in in a tiny corner of the galaxy they they are big players in the galaxy and and they're they're starting to especially with this rift that's torn through the galaxy they're they're they're, they're traveling further into far space as they call it as well and you know i i think i think that's great it's going to be interesting to see because there's not a lot covered in the codex 
in terms of conflict, open warfare with the Imperium mankind. Um, but I can definitely see stories being developed in that in that way because I mean, simply one of the reasons is the Ironkin, you know, that that's obviously an affront to the Mechanicum of Mars there. So yeah, I um, I was lucky enough to have a, a flick through the book before I handed it over to you, and it definitely seems like they're they're more likely to trade with the Eldari or the Tau, where humanity is a little less trusted than those other factions. Yeah. Um, there isn't uh, an Admech versus Votan army box at some point in the future. <laughs> the, 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 um, those, um, what are the um, what are the Admech robots called? The Castellan, is it Castell- they called? Yeah, they almost yeah. look like Ironkin. They'll probably turn around and start fighting with the dwarfs. Yeah. Um, Not on my watch. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, I, I, like I say, grab the book and have a read for it. I think they've done a cracking job of, of fitting these guys into the current setting. Um, there's also lots of we touched on it with the model sort of look and feel with the the, the fantasy dwarf sort of um, theme that runs through the model range. There's also a fantasy dwarf theme that runs through the codex as well, in both in terms of lore and some of the rules. So this whole concept of the ancestors are watching is very important to the kin. They 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 um, treat oaths and and things like that very seriously. Um, and um, it, it it it's really interesting because one of the best things I think about fancy dwarfs is the whole grudges and bearing grudges and it's really fun to read how that plays out through this book and how how sometimes they can be quite crafty in that they they use the the, the grudges the whole grudge thing to actually um you know maybe there's some resources on a planet they need access to well you know let's just declare a grudge against them so we can get it um so it, it, you know they're not all um there's some slightly less honorable uh things that they get up to as well uh, which is really really cool um so yeah so you get background as well for the five different leagues the great Arthurian league which is like the, the sort of main most more powerful league then there's, there's there's four other leagues in here each with their own sort of background um and all, their own culture and things like that and then um there's there's lots of information on the sort of the other leagues leagues that have existed and died out leagues that have just formed things like that and th- there's rules to represent that as well um so if we go on to the rules then um there's a couple of sort of um, main mechanics in 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 the army that um, I guess we can spend a little bit of time talking about. Um, and the first one of them is the eyes of the ancestor. This whole judgment token business. So I don't know. I think some listeners may have already seen this. If you've read the review, you'll know all about it. Um, but basically, this is like the sort of main um, unique sort of trait for all of the leagues of Votan armies. Um, and Basically, over the course of a battle, you'll be able to assign judgment tokens to enemy units, up to three to each enemy unit. And these tokens stay with that enemy unit for the, for the whole game until until that unit's destroyed. Um, and basically, depending on the number of judgment tokens that an enemy unit has, when a League of Votan unit attacks them, they get some buffs. Um, and the buffs are really, really good. So if you are attacking a unit with one judgment token, any six to hit, automatically wounds the target unit um, and that increases depending on the number of judgment tokens you've got so if you've got two judgment tokens on the enemy unit any fives to hit will cause an automatic wound um, three judgment tokens any fours to hit will cause an automatic wound um well, that's, that was, that's pretty strong if you think like against like knights and stuff as well yeah i i think it's very strong i mean you're taking an entire layer of defense away from the opponent's 
army, basically. That's a wound roll, which some armies, like you say, knights, custodies, they rely on that as a form of defense in their in their battle plan. And and the judgment token mechanic, the eyes of the ancestor, mitigates that completely, works around it completely. That on its own is, is very strong. Um the the automatic wound that you do, which is really important, it, it, it counts as an unmodified six to wound as well, which is important because there are a lot of abilities that trigger off an automatic to wound roll of a six. Oh, wow. So it combos quite nicely with that. Uh, the judgment tokens themselves, how do you assign a judgment token to an enemy unit? So the idea behind this is that the the kin, especially the Carls that lead the kin, the war leaders, they are that adept at apprising the enemy's units and uh, battle plans and deciding and determining which are the priority threats to deal with and judging them as such. That's the whole idea. So by default, an enemy unit will accrue a judgment token um, in, in one of three ways, I believe it is. Uh, the first way is that if an enemy unit destroys one of your units, they get a judgment token. Obviously, if you're destroying kin, you must be quite a high priority target. So you get a judgment token. If an enemy unit um, performs an action or a psychic action, um, they'll get a judgment token, which, I mean, the whole game, especially match play, is about performing those actions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the enemy is making their units more vulnerable just by participating in the game. <laughs> Um, and then finally, at the end of your opponent's turn, uh, you can select, select uh, an enemy unit within range of an objective marker and they get a judgment token. Mm. So that's the three main ways to, to sort of put judgment tokens on your enemy's army. But they're not the only three ways. There are plenty more ways to put judgment tokens on the enemy units. Um, the Carl, for example, which is your main HQ, he has an ability called Grim Efficiency. In the combat phase, you can pick an enemy unit and give them a judgment token. So at the start of your turn, basically, you can judge an enemy enemy unit. Um, the High Carl, which is, um, if you think of like Space Marine Chapter Master upgrade, Chief Apothecary upgrades, that kind of thing, you can upgrade some of the units in the book a little bit further. And one of the upgrades is a High Carl. Um, and the High Carl gets access to a Warlord trait, which lets him put that uh, a judgment token on two units in the, com in the combat phase, uh, command phase. Um, and you can have a high call and a call in a unit. So you're putting free judgment to tokens down on enemy units every command phase, in addition to these those free generic ways of applying judgment tokens that I mentioned before. And then there are stratagems that add judgment tokens. There are stratagems and rules that let you move around judgment tokens. It's very easy to get judgment tokens on the enemy army, I think. Not played any games yet, but just for reading through the rules, I think it will be. Um, each of the leagues as well, so as you'll get chapter traits, um, you know, like the Ultramarines can fall back and fire and, and different things like that, and, and the Tau Seps have their bonuses. Each of the leagues, as well as getting a, a, a bonus to the sort of play style of that league, you also get an Ancestral Judgment, which is a, a, a unique way that, that armies using that league interact with Judgment Tokens. So, for example, um, <clears throat> you may treat an enemy unit as having an additional Judgment Token every time you target them. So, you know, you at least every hit roll of a five plus then becomes a wound. Um, there may be um, ancestral judgments that allow you to treat an enemy unit as having at least one judgment token, for example. Um, so there's the, it's a key part of the book, but I think it's very, very strong. Uh, and that works in close combat, shooting, overwatch, um, any of those fours, five, sixes to hit cause automatic wounds of a six. <clears throat> 
Um, it's a great mechanic, very thematic. I really like it. I like the idea of assigning judgment tokens to enemy units and getting bonuses against them. But I, I, I think it's very, very strong for sure. Um, another of the sort of main abilities that they have is this void armor, which every unit in the in the codex has. Um, and basically, what this means is that enemy units can't reroll wounds or damage rolls against your units. Um, and in addition, you get sort of baked in armor of contempt. Um, you reduce the AP of any incoming attacks by one as well. So void armor is really really cool as well. Your whole army is quite tough to shift and that can be buffed in further ways so there's ways to to increase that arm penetration bonus um there's ways as well to increase the base toughness of all of your units and if you combine that with this void armor especially on some of the vehicles like the hecaton land fortress in particular they become very very tough to shift um you get access to things like medics the Brock here, Iron Master, which is like your tech marine type character, can repair, give wounds back to vehicles and certain units. Um, I think they're a very, very defensive army, which is what you'd expect from dwarfs, I think, like a dwarf themed army. Um, they get a couple of other rules as well, which I, I don't want to go into too much detail. Steady advance gives them a more reliable, if, if somewhat slower, advance role. Um, and then they've got some unique weapons as well. So I think you may have seen the hunter weapons that they've described on the Warhammer community website. These are basically just weapons without rules. So a hunter free weapon, for example, will always fire free shots. They've got lots of these weapons in there. Yeah, um, so this is similar to the malefic weapons in the Demon book. And I wonder if that's a potential insight into maybe something in 10th edition where you've got fixed weapons that can't be modified in any way. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, this is this book is obviously coming towards the end of the 9th edition cycles uh, you know the edition so yeah we'll see um but i do i do like the hunter weapons and it sort of works around that sort of they're they a bit slower than other armies so that that sort of helps i think uh, mitigate some of the movement penalties they may otherwise suffer and um, they get a couple of other special rules like beam a unique weapon which allows you to shoot through units and inflict hits on multiple units and some of the leagues you can take in some of the league bonuses and stratagem and things can buff that further which is cool so you can build like a beam heavy army i think beam's quite cool uh the magna rail terrifying weapon terrifying weapon so i'm gonna i'm gonna just read out this this magna rail so basically if if, if a, a weapon has the magna rail type invulnerable saving throws cannot be taken against that attack which is fantastic on its own and i'll read out a profile of one such magna rail uh, weapon in a second so you can just see how great that is uh, i think most of them are ap minus four um in addition on an unmodified wound roll of six excess damage from that weapon is not lost so it it spills over into the unit and if you've been watching some of the the warhammer um, plus um crusade battle reports they've been running this last week with the leagues of votan they use the the magna rail in the battle against the orcs and um this unmodified wound roll of six where you can splash the damage over to the rest of the unit if you if you remember back to the eye the ancestors rule the judgment tokens any automatic wounds that trigger off that judgment token count as an unmodified six um and there's lots of ways in this book to re-roll hits um there's even stratagems that let you do an automatic hit which counts as unmodified six so you can get you can get this uh unmodified wound roll six triggering quite easily for your magna rails and if i just read out the mag the magna rail so you can take one of these things on the hecaton land fortress and the the, the stats are quite quite impressive so let me find out where we are heavy magna rail cannon so it's heavy one 36 inches strength 14 ap minus 4 2d6 plus 6 damage ignores the invulnerable save and if you manage to get that all modified wound roll of a six that damage spills over 
So it's mm. a cracking anti-tank vehicle. And if you've got the judgment tokens on the unit you're shooting, it's cracking at shooting Terminators, um, mega armored knobs, that kind of thing. Really, really cool. Um, I'm not going to go through all the stratagems, but what I will say is we've talked a lot on podcasts recently about how there's a lot of bloat in the stratagem section and how we think maybe in 10th edition we should cut back on some of the stratagems, bake some of those abilities maybe into the data sheets themselves. I have to say 99% of the stratagems in this codex, and there's about 30 of them, I think are brilliant. I've been I've read through them all and I can see uses for them all. It's really, really good. I'm really, really impressed with the stratagem section in this book. See, comparing it to the was it the Demon Codex we had previously, where it the Codex of you know fair enough it was a bit of a a niche Codex in the sense that we split it into effectively <laughs> five smaller Codexes, didn't they? And, and they only put like six stratagems for for each of the main gods or whatever. I was kind of expecting a similar sort of approach with the Leagues of Votan, where we only get like maybe 12 stratagems and spread it over two pages or whatever because like you said there's quite a lot of rules bloat at the minute and i think toning that down is only a good thing but it, it all depends like there's a lot of stratagems that you probably won't use because you don't have those units in your army so when you look at stratagems and go oh there's 36 is there really 36 that apply to your army so yeah, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, Andy. I mean, even in some books, though, I mean, the Craftworld Eldar book I remember reading and the Space Marine book, there's lots of stratagems I find that even if you have the, you just don't use them. You, you don't, but I don't think that's a problem in the leagues of Otwang, which I'm a bit worried about because I think in 10th edition, if they do start calling stratagems, it's like, oh man, you're going to lose some of these awesome stratagems. Um, but it really impressed me. It, it really surprised me. I was not expecting to be so impressed with the stratagems on offer. I think there are some super strong stratagems in here, which I, I think may see some changes. Um, ancestral Sentence, for example. If you're shooting um, or fighting uh, an enemy unit and they've got a, a, a one or more judgment tokens, you can re-roll the hit rolls. So you can really go fishing for those fours, fives, and sixes to get those automatic wounds. One CP. Ancestral Sentence, I think, is a, a killer stratagem. There's lots of stratagems that allow you to, to, to do mortal wounds on the opponent as well. Really, really powerful. Um, there's a really, really interesting one, Reactive Reprisal, which is very much Horus Heresy. It allows you to shoot in your opponent's shooting phase. Um, so, and that, I think that that's interesting because I think that's quite unique in Warhammer 40k. Um, so basically, if you target one of my Votan units, I can shoot you back. At, at the end of the phase as if it was my shooting phase and that can really you know you've in your turn you've moved a unit onto an objective and then you shot one of my units and then i shoot you back and you you've not got that objective in your turn i think it it, it really um mixes things up a bit um, the only thing that i can think that is in any way similar and i could be wrong is like an spec scan or something when something arrives from comes in in reserves yeah you then shoot but you're at like a minus one penalty that's the only thing i can think of the top of my head that's yeah you're right there Dave. yeah um but yeah on the whole there's a good mix of offensive stratagems there's a good mix of defensive stratagems you've got like the transhuman type stratagem in here you've got stratagems that buff your shield crests which are if you look at the model range you'll see some of the unit leaders and heroes have like a, a crest coming over their head 
Um, there's lots of different shield crests in the book that you can take. Some give you vulnerable saves, some allow you to teleport, different things like that. Um, the stratagems that interact with them, um, the stratagems that can bring your vehicles up to full wounds profile. There's lots of utility stratagems that can allow you to um, um, uh, limit movement of enemy units, um, shuffle judgment tokens around ed the enemy army, that kind of thing. Um, there's even a stratagem that allows certain units to redeploy during the game. Um, yeah, very, very impressed with the stratagem pages, uh, the stratagems on, on this, um, in this in this army book. And one thing to add as well, just as I'm flicking through the strategy, it's just reminding me of something else. All of the relics and warlord traits, the stratagems, there's so much like little tiny bits of lore on each one. They've basically crammed as much lore and background into the book as, as they can. It's great. So, you know, often I'll read stratagems, but I won't bother reading the little lore blurb that appears at the top of it. But in this book, I have. There's so many cool things that they've written around. Uh, anywhere they can put a bit of lore, they have, which is great for, for a new faction that they're introducing. Um. I've touched briefly on the on the sort of chapter master upgrade section. You're able to upgrade your Carls, your Grimnirs, and your Brockier Iron Masters, which are like your you know your, your captains, your Psychers, and your uh, Tech Marine type units. Um, the upgrades are fantastic. You get a Warlord trait, you get another ancestral judgment mechanic, which is really really cool, um, and you get some really really strong abilities. Um, out of the three, I think the High Carl is almost an auto pick for your army as is the Brockier Forge Master. There's a really nasty combo you can do with a Brockier Forge Master where you can basically pretty much be doing nine mortal wounds every time you shoot something. It, very, very easy to get this combination off. Um, so, And I think as well, the Brockier Forge Master in particular adds so much to the army. Um, he can give out hit, um, hit bonuses to nearby units. He can repair your already super tough vehicles. And then he's a really, really cool shooting piece as well with this um, this mortal wound mechanic that he's got. Um, so I was really, really impressed with that. There's a nice nice selection of relics in here as well. Um, you get lots of options. Even though you've got a limited data sheet um, choice here, there are lots of different play styles, I think, and lots of different loadouts that you can experiment with. And the relic section just sort of improves that further. So I was really, really impressed with the relic section as well. There wasn't really a lot I wasn't impressed with, if I'm fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I flick forward we come to the units themselves so you get um, 12 data sheets in the book there's four HQ options including the name character so this covers your sort of captain, chapter master, librarian and tech marine kind of uh, role um, the Iron Hair champion in particular I love this model this is the big exosuit wearing character with mass accelerator drivers he's basically like your dwarf slayer uh, you basically send him at your opponent's monsters, your opponent's special characters, and he just does a ton of damage. He's got different weapon loadouts. There's some really cool warlord trait, relic combinations where you can really turn him into a powerhouse. Really, really like that unit. Um, the Brockier Eye Master we've just talked about, he's really cool. Your Hearthkin Warriors are your only troops option in the book. Uh, these guys have objectives secured. Also your Hearthkin Pioneers. So you've got the two objective secured units there to, to play around with. There are some Warlord traits as well, which you can dish out objective secure to other units or further buff it. Um, with only having one troops choice, I'm really pleased to see that you've got so much flexibility with the Hearthkin Warrior squad in terms of weapon loadouts. They remind me very much of the Firstborn Tactical Marines in that you can sprinkle in special weapons, heavy weapons, different upgrades. So that was really, really good. Um, in the elite section, you've got your Iron Hair Hearth Guard, which is the unit you like, Andy, the big sort of um, exo suit armored um, Terminator type equivalent unit. 
they look really, really cool. The Caphonian Berserks, though, are one of the standout units for me. Um, so these guys only have a six plus armor, but they have a strength of five, a toughness of five, like the exosuit armed units as well. So they're quite tough. Um, they also have some really cool abilities. One's called Augmented, which is basically they get a five plus feel no pain save, which increases to a four plus against damage one weapons. Um, so, the, you know, so again, a four plus feel no pain against damage one weapons is really cool. If they do manage to get killed before they get to fight, they have a really cool ability which lets them to fight once they, you know, after they've been slain, which is really, really cool. So if you can get them into combat, you're definitely going to do some damage to the opponent. Um, and to help them get into combat, they can reroll charge rolls. Um, they get a whole load of attacks with some mental weaponry. You know, some of them are swinging at strength 10, AP minus 3, damage 3. Um, really, really, really cool. Um, they also unlock access to some of the cool stratagems um, that tie in with the um, the grenade launcher. They've got the special, um, uh, what's it called now, the mole mole grenade launcher. So you can do some cool stuff like slowing enemy units down, making them strike last. They're very cheap, um, and there are some leagues that work really well with the Caphonian Berserks to make them even stronger in combat. So I really, really like the Caphonian Berserks. Um, on the fast attack side, you've just got two choices as well, the Hernkin Pioneers. Really, really cool models. They've got a good data sheet. They can put out a lot of shots. So I think people are going to be a bit... Don't underestimate them. They they, they do they, they can put out a lot of Dakar, I think. And they've got this um, pre-game move as well, which I think is always quite useful in uh, match play games. We use that, Dave, a lot with the Shroud Runners in our doubles tournament to shifty them around before the game starts, redeploy. They yeah. get access to that. They also have a searchlight, which allows them to use another stratagem, which can be used to put judgment tokens on units as well. So I think Hernkin Pioneers will, will, will form a main part of most people's armies as well. Um, they get a really cool sort of um, medium light eight, um, transport vehicle, the Sagittar, this ATV, um, which is it's, it's basically like a, 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 a battle tank, really. It, it can pack some nice weaponry. Um, but it's got quite a unique sort of rule in that you can take them in units of two and you can split your units of Hurfkin Warriors or Berserks across them. So you can buy a unit of 10 Berserks and split them into two units of five and two Sagittars, which I actually think is quite a strong ability because, I mean, if you're taking some of the force organization charts which limit you on, fa on fast attack or limit you on your elites, you're able to take, you know, double your units just by splitting them up across two of these transports. So... Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and then on the heavy support side, the last two units we've got, we've got the Rock Air Thunderkin, which think of these as like your Space Green Eradicators, you know, or, or Broadsides. They're okay, I think. They're not they're not too bad. They're really, really nice models. The Hecatan Long Fortress, though, stands out as just a crazy unit. So this is basically a land raider that you'll never kill. Um, <laughs> toughness 8, 16 wounds, 2 plus save. With one of the leagues, you can give it a four plus invulnerable save. With a Brock here, um, Iron Master or Forge Master next to it, you can be giving it four wounds back a turn as well. There are um, uh, abilities and stratagems that, that you um, change the damage characteristic of the first sale fa uh, failed save to zero. So even if someone does get a lucky railgun shot on it, you can just change that damage to zero, you know, so that they can't kill it. It has void armor, so it's reducing the AP by one. Um, you can't reroll wounds against it. You can't reroll damage against it. You can make it toughness nine. Like I said, you can give it a four plus invulnerable save. You can take three of these in an army. You're not going to have any friends. That sounds like Bellacore the tank. 
<laughs> Bellicor the tank, yeah, pretty much. It has got a mental amount of weaponry on it, including that big Magna uh, rail cannon that I, I spoke about before, which I think, I don't know, that seems to me to be the obvious pick. You know, you, if you can play around with the judgment uh, token mechanic, you can be shooting hordes of units, tanks. I don't know, it just seems like an all-rounder, all-purpose gun. You can fit it out with one-shot missile launchers that don't need line of sight to fire. Um, it's got a range of sort of anti-infantry weapon around the tank built in as well. It's also, which is really, really cool, got a a, a pan-spectral scanner built into it, which gives it the scanner keyword, which allows you to use other stratagems on it. It it ignores light cover. (sighs) Crazy vehicle. Really, really nice. So there are all the units. And then the last thing I think just to touch on is just the um, crusade mechanics as well. We love crusade in Sprues and Brews. And I'm really happy with the Crusade rules for uh, the Leagues of Botan. Feels very, very dwarfy. You basically get two sort of main mechanics in this in the Crusade section. The first one is grudges, proper dwarfy. <laughs> if one of your units gets taken out by an opponent's army, you make a note. So say, say for example, Dave, your Imperial Guard managed to destroy one of my um, Leagues of Botan units. On my Crusade cards, I'll note that that unit now has a grudge against the Imperial Guard. Um, and likewise, the same for Orcs and Tyranids and different things like that. So you accumulate these grudges against these various factions and you have to try and write them. Um, in your games, then, if you if then I play you next week, Dave, and I've got a couple of units that have some grudges against the Imperial Guard, I basically put grudge tokens down against those units. Um, I have to roll some dice at the beginning of the game to see how many grudge tokens I'm able to place and and that's all influenced by the number of grudges I've got against that particular army. A grudge token works in the same way as a judgment token but only for that unit that bears a grudge against that army so you know the rest of my army won't be able to make use of that grudge token but that one Herfkin warrior squad that you 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 know you destroyed in last game Dave they've got the grudge and they're able to benefit from that grudge token on, on, on that unit um in addition to that, they get extra bonuses, so they're able to re-roll some hit rolls against the target, depending on the number of grudge tokens they've got against that unit. Um, but there's also some drawbacks. You know, Sometimes this, the grudge or the need to uh, avenge something or right a wrong can sort of interfere with proper battle sense. Um, so I'm not able to start any actions if you're only six inches of you because I'm, I'm more concerned about you know righting that wrong. I can't fall back out of combat from you and things like that. So there's like a bit of a a pros and cons sort of um, uh, thing to the to the to the grudge mechanic, which is really really cool as well. So that's like the grudges. That. that 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 that's really nice. That's that's really thematic. Yeah, and and um, I'll just tell you about the second mechanic, and then I'll, I'll I'll come back. But yeah, I like that for a couple of reasons. One, it's very very thematic, but there's also another reason why I really like it as well. But I'll come back to that. The second mechanic you've got is the kindred acquisitions. So one of the main sort of driving things about the kin the leagues of botan is is they're basically out there to mine resources to expand their territories um you know they're they're very pioneering and very industrious and the kindred acquisitions plays into that so basically after each game you'll roll dice on a table to see what kind of resources you're able to um uh, accumulate from that battle so perhaps you were fighting over some tech remains of a downed enemy war machine or, or a resource rich planet or, or, or something like that. Um, and you, there's, there's, there's a v- various amounts of these different resources, raw minerals, biomatter, energy sources, galactic Intel. There's even rare resources. So there's a chance you might stumble across some rare resource. 
And basically you collect these resources over the course of your um, crusade and then you can use them to um, invest in kindred assets. Um, and then you can even upgrade kindred assets. And there's a whole range of different assets that you can um, you can um, try and collect enough resources to buy. So upgraded core systems, um, better equipped prospects, um, expanded mining operations, things like that. And they give you different bonuses in your crusade from uh, extra requisition points that you get, in-game bonuses, relics, things like that. It's really, really cool. And you get a really, really um, nice page that you can photocopy to create and, and keep track of all the resources that you get in. Um, I think, and then, Jay, actually, you can download it from Warcom as well. All right, cool, yeah. Um, but then there's also, you know, there's also a, 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 a risk-reward type mechanic built in here as well because there's a chance that the kin are very efficient. They don't like wasting resources, but sometimes their emotions, certainly if they've got a grudge against the enemy army, can cause them to commit more resources than actually is, is sensible. So that there's a chance that you, you can lose or degrade some of these assets in the course of a battle as well. So it's this almost like this resource management mini game that you've got. And this is what I really like about this crusade section, because you've got the grudges bit, which is a really interactive crusade mechanic that you can enjoy with your opponents especially if you've got like regular gaming partners you can build up these develop these grudges and this narrative and this story for your crusade faction while it's fighting this crusade campaign against you know your friends armies so it's a really really interactive mechanic which i think is great and we saw that with the um, dark eldar crusade content if you remember where you could sort of steal territories from your opponents and things like that and i think that's really really good for the game because it it, it helps you develop a story with your opponent, which is really, really cool. Gets them involved in your own army's crusade. And then you've got the kindred acquisitions mechanic, which is something you can do offline. You can just enjoy that yourself. That's just, you know, there's no impact there really for your opponent. You're just, you know, you're trying to find certain resources. You're maybe aiming for a particular asset, so you've got to locate enough biomatter. You can even, there's um, rules in here where you can trade resources for different um, types of resource so that, you know, there's a real asset that you're trying to, trying to develop. You can try and trade some resources to make sure you can try and develop that asset. So I really, really like how they've thought about the Crusade content for Leagues of OTAN for those reasons. It sounds like an upgrade to the AdMech um, Crusade system to me. That's that's the first impression I get um, because they had a similar thing where you could build weapons and stuff, but it sort of started and stopped there. There was none of this like trading or not, not that I can remember anyway. So apologies if I'm slightly wrong, but it does sound like a, a more thought out version of the AdMech uh, crusade. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think that's, it was really good. I'm really looking forward to the to playing through the crusade campaign. We've got coming up in November or the end of this year. So we can try some of the, these new rules out. Um, so yeah, so that, that's that, that's it really. If you go onto the Screws and Brews website, obviously you'll get a much more in-depth review of all the rules and all the units and stratagems and combos and things like that. I think they are a very very strong army. I it'll be interesting when we start playing some games to see how you guys feel about them. Um, I think they do have a few weaknesses. I think um, they don't have much defense in terms of mortal wound defense. So if you've got armies that can dish out a lot of mortal wounds, like Grey Knights, for example, I think they will struggle, maybe not struggle, but you know, that that is a weakness of the army, I think. But they certainly have the tools to dish out the hurt. And I, I think that automatic wounding mechanic, I, I, I think that could prove to be very, very powerful against pretty much any army. And the fact it works in all the phases as well, and it's so easy to sort of stack those judgment tokens, they don't disappear. It'll be interesting to see when we've had a few games what we what we think about that. 
maybe it's okay. Maybe the, maybe the enemy can sort of mitigate some of the impacts of judgment tokens and work around it. We'll have to see. Um, in terms of the actual number of data sheets in the army, it's only 12 data sheets, but I do think they've done a good job with the different leagues and the custom league traits as well. So you can build your own leagues with, you basically pick three different bonuses from a big table of I think it's 16 to build your own league. And they're all very good, actually. I think you can build some very, very nice custom leagues using that table. Um, so we, I think you can build armies with different, like a close combat sort of army, a vehicle heavy army, an exosuit teleporting round army. There's there's lots of scope, I think, to, for different play styles in the book. And, and like I said, there are lots of hints in this book through the law sections of units that we may see down the line. So I, I, as I was reading through the book for the review, I think I saw mentioned of um, Votan gunships mentioned probably about five or six times in, in different stories, in different backgrounds, um, swarms of Votan gunships. So I think some sort of flyer or, or um, hovercraft or something like that may be on the cars down the line. Um, there's also talk of big sort of colossal um what are they colossal class engines and things like this oh so, interesting yeah so titans, big kind of titans or knight equivalent type units yep um and i would love to see as well um maybe some more of the ironkin and ironkin units developed maybe a dreadnought type unit would be quite cool like a big um, golem or something yeah exactly yeah um so yeah we'll, we'll have to see what comes for them in the 10th edition i guess hopefully we see something new from there but yeah, I, I, I'm really happy with the codex. I'm, I'm very, it was definitely worth the wait and I've really enjoyed reading through it and I, I can't wait to play some games with it. Fantastic. Um, well, if I didn't want to wrote uh, Leagues of Votan Army before, I do now. But I, I, like Matt, I think I want to resist until next year. But um, I say that now, wait until we see Andy and Jay's armies, Matt. I know. It's, I, I, even tonight, listening to Jay review it, I have been hovering on Element Games. Uh, I've managed to resist, but I don't know. But if I see more of these models painted up, Jay, I might have to break. Well, the only good counter to a Leagues of Votan Army, I think, would be another Leagues of Votan Army. <laughs> I, think, I think some proper grudge matches might be quite interesting. There's, well, lots, of, there's lots of stories and background as well about how, how the different leagues interact with each other. And inside the leagues as well, you've got leagues are basically collections of kindreds, and kindreds are like, basically like collections of like-minded kin. And, you know, there's there are some turbulence between some of them some 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 troubled relationships between a few of them as well and uh, competition over resources and then you've got the guilds as well so these are like uh, different mining guilds and, and and professions and things and they they sort of have conflict between them as well so so there's definitely scope there for some interkin war i think <laughs> excellent uh, we are going to keep it uh, Space Dwarfs with our next segment as we delve into this week's top three. So keep listening. It is time for this week's top three. And for this week's top three, we're going to be talking about our favourite Space Dwarf units. So I'm saying Space Dwarfs because this is going to cover squats in Necromunda, old squats, current Votan models, um, all sorts. It's quite an open sort of topic really um where shall we start this week let's start with you matt what is your top three this week so i've gone for a a triptych of space dwarfs from all eras my number three choice is uh grendel grendelson who i think i may be wrong here but i think this is our first squat model since like the original release and this is a bounty hunter for necromunda he just looks 
ace. He's got like shades, which is a typical squat thing for me. He's got a big bushy beard, padded like vest on him. He's got like a hammer and a bolter and he he, he means business. I I think I bought this model the day it came out and painted it off an Ekremander because he looks amazing. And uh, yeah, I kind of, what I do like though, is that the Necromunda squat stuff is distinct from the leagues of OTAN stuff. It, yeah, you can see the 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 the, the, the leagues of OTAN are very much the, the, the yeah these these cloned forces from the from the Votan spheres where your Necromunda squats, I guess, are the survivors of those original squat expeditions that have wound up on Necromunda doing work. So that is really really cool. For number two. I've had to go for a League of Votan model. And it is the, the Grim Grimnir, is it, Jay? The kind of oh, sorcerer yeah. guy. The Rune Priest type looking thing. The yeah, Rune Priest, yeah. yeah. And, and and if if we're talking model, I think it's the female build of this. I think this has been seen on Warcom now, hasn't it? Um, and she just looks amazing. She's got two little, like, um, kin. Very the ornate. Of assistance, yeah. They, they look very... Um, what was that zone in Wrath of the Lich King with all the kind of like Nordic kind of architecture? Oh yeah, I can't think what the name is, but I Do know you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it reminds me of that, and I just think that looks really, really cool. And, and she wouldn't be out of place in like a fantasy game. Age Sigma. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. she's really cool. I wonder if we'll see her as the basis of a few Age of Sigma conversions as well. You know, in a City to Sigma army, because yeah, she looks really, really cool. But my number one choice, I had to follow my heart. This was really, really tough. The the Hecatron Land Fortress was on the list. The original squat kind of like land trains were on the list. But I scribbled them out and just wrote two words, squat trikes. As cool as the new pioneers are, there's just something, I don't know, cheesy and nostalgic about a trike with two squats wearing sunglasses. It's just, it's just the coolest <laughs> thing ever, and uh, I hope, I hope that we get, I don't know, something like that for Necromunda as a vehicle for the squats. The prospectors, yeah, the Ironheads. Because they'd still have trikes, wouldn't they? They don't have this fancy anti-grav stuff. Nah, you don't want, you don't want mucking around with anti-grav. You need a big sturdy trike with three wheels and a dude on the back with sunglasses and maybe a cigar and a big gun. Yeah, that sounds very Necromunda to me. Very yeah. Necromunda. So, yeah. Uh, excellent. Um, Andy, what is your top three? So, uh, unlike you guys, I actually never experienced the squat phenomenon back in the day. I didn't uh, Andy. Neither did I. Uh, I'm the, I'm the <laughs> original the, like, 80s space dwarf, Andy. Oh, okay. Um yeah, so I my top three didn't include any of the original sort of squats or anything like those lines. Um, and most of it, bizarrely enough, is actually from the army box set, which is probably why my willpower caved and I ended up <laughs> buying it. Um, my third choice has to be Bacall, um, just because of the fact that he is he's got that classic sort of space marine captain sort of look. You know, I, I love the power fist. But he's got and he's got a little pistol. Yeah. And and he's just sort of like staring off and he's sort of commanding his forces. And then you've got that big crest coming over him. But like you said, it's very Viking sort of dwarven um, look from like fantasy and stuff like that. I mean, he's got all cool about. Oh, sorry. Carry on, Andy. 
No, you go, you go. I was going to say, what's really cool about those crests is there's lots of different um, uh, like heads you can put on the end of it. Uh, there's a wolf head, a ram, uh, a bear, a boar, that kind of thing. And they have different rules as well for them. Um, so you get a lot of, you can do a lot of customization with that sort of crest that comes over the head. And I think um, Uther the Destined, he has an even more unique crest, which it's like a two-headed crest that goes sideways across. So it's quite a cool sort of design aesthetic, I think, for the um, the Botan units. Yeah, I mean, despite the fact that he's probably, what, only like two inches tall, he's <laughs> definitely definitely going to stand out. Um, and yeah, I, I really, really like that. And I think, think the fact that we put that in the army box set, that was a, a, a fantastic choice to put one of those in the army box set. Um, and then similarly enough, my second choice is the N here. Did I say that right? N here? Ein here or Ein here, yeah. Ein here, Ein here, Ein here champion, because this guy is just, uh, you know, the juggernaut from Deadpool. This is what I imagine him to be. You know, if he runs out of wall, that wall ain't going to stop him. He's going straight through it. And, you know, the fact that you can give him an axe or you can give him a hammer, he's got that choice of whether he wants to go for sort of like anti-infantry or you know, big monsters or vehicles or whatever. And I like that flexibility. And regardless of which option you go for, he's going to hit those units and he's going to go through them like a freight train, basically. Um, He does, um, he does, he does, he's got these accelerator things on his back, which propel him forward, basically. And he does impact hits when he, when he reaches combat. So you roll a dice against the majority toughness of the unit. And if you roll over it or a natural six, you do D3 mortal wounds, I think. And yeah, like you say, Andy, you've got the um, you've got the hammer that you can take, which is obviously your sort of anti-tank weapon. Or you've got the axe, which has um, it has a sweep attack mode and a regular attack mode as well for sort of horde or, or elite infantry, you want to say. There are two really cool relics you can give to, to him. So there's a hammer that you can give to him, which he does. I think it's like D3 plus three mortal wounds on an unmodified hit roll of six or something like that. Um, and there's an axe you can give him, a Dark Star Plasma Axe, which can ignore invulnerable saves. Um, and then on top of that, he's got this Ram Shield, which um, reduces wounds against him by minus one. Um, and also, um, if you, uh, it does, what does that, it does something else, but I can't think what it was, but you've got the void armor as well, which reduces the AP. I think there's a, a reduced damage by one and uh, built into his armor as well. And you get a choice of crest. So you can give him a crest, which allows him to teleport around or a crest, which gives him an invulnerable save. And it's interesting that you say you can pitch this guy charging through walls. There's even a little bit of background in here about just that, where he can basically <laughs> like run through, uh, defensive barricades and bastions and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I I look at him and he, he like you said, he, he's got that kind of Slayer, Lone Wolf kind of feel to him. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, again, because he's in the army box, I kind of just looked at that and was like, yeah, again, like I, I want to build the army to about a thousand points and I want him and Carl leading that thousand points. And I think like, that, uh, yeah, I'm going to have so much fun building him. Um, but my first choice... Is a unit that doesn't come in the army box set, unfortunately. If it did, I'd probably buy at least two. And that is the Iron Guard, Iron Hair, Hearth Guard. There you go. And this is basically the Terminator equivalent for this army. And you know, Starcraft, and you got those sort of like the human suits with the domes, and 
they're kind of like space marines but not space marines aren't they and you know they are they're strong like you do not mess with them and i look at these iron here half guard and i just think to myself yeah i again sort of expanding the army box set that's going to be the first unit that i throw into the army and then you know probably throw in one of the um land fortresses uh and have these guys in there with the iron her champion and they're just going to be a super solid unit and the fact that they come with those almost like plasma swords sort of you know feel to them i i just imagine them just slicing through khan effects orcs guardsmen i mean everything slices through guardsmen that's a bad example but they are like the iron here champion they are forced to be reckoned with and i'm an absolute sucker for terminators so yeah when i saw these models i was like yeah these ones i'm, I'm gonna have a lot of these in the army excellent choices andy uh, and actually uh you've made my top three a little bit easier because i was torn on my third choice between those terminator dwarfs and the uh thunderkin so i want to give a shout out to those thunderkin uh, as my third choice they're, they're like Jay said, they're like the eradicators of um, the Votan, uh, wearing exosuits with these massive guns. Uh, I'd absolutely be adding a unit of these to, to my army. Well, I want both the Terminators and these guys. Uh, but those exosuits are so, so cool. Um, my second choice, though, I'm going to switch to a character. So uh, the character that I've gone for, I'm just going to double check uh, his name. He's the Brockier Iron Master. Um, so not only is the Iron Master himself a fantastic model, I love like his jacket, I love his goggles, his gun looks badass. The dude's got a hammer as well, just in case. He's got more <laughs> pockets than I've seen on any model. Howard Moon. Previously. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then he's also, you know, flanked by all these Iron Kin uh, with various like instruments, you've got one that's carrying with even more pockets carrying all these. You know, <laughs> it's all about the pockets, Dave, in this Savannas <laughs> and ratchets, and he's got a gun. And uh, it also looks really clever how those those things are flying, aren't they? But they've been really cleverly positioned on bits of debris to make them um, stands. You know, I'm to rely on silly flying stands. So, uh, yeah, ECOGs, I think they're called, aren't they? That yeah, ECOGs are little flying yeah. um, assistants. And then you've got your Iron Kin assistant in that unit as well. Oh, yeah. got, yeah. The, the Brockier Iron Master is a really, really nice unit. Really, really nice unit. I, I think he'll be a staple in most most um, Lisa Votan forces. He's a good force multiplier. He can uh, repair certain units and vehicles. Uh, and then he's, he's a pretty, pretty beasty um, unit on his own in terms of the, the damage output he can put out. Yeah, yeah, fantastic model. However, these pale in comparison to what could well be one of the best tanks in 40k, and that is that land fortress. Uh, so good, so so good. I mean, you almost expect this to be in some sort of blockbuster um, movie, traipsing across some meteor Armageddon style. Uh, the thing's ace. It's loaded with guns. I love the little um, dwarf. Uh, the little I keep saying dwarf. The little uh, guy driving it with his little Iron King mate as like a co-pilot. There's not. There's nothing about this model I don't like. The little bits of armor plating, absolutely 
amazing. Uh, had to be my number one. Um, and it leaves that leaves us, Jay, with uh, with your top three. Well, I was just gonna say with the Hecaton Land Fortress, it it I I, I think this is gonna be like a massive view. There's there's some pictures in in the codex of it next to like um Morknauts and Gorknauts and things. Uh, this thing's gonna be big. It's gonna be a proper centerpiece for the army. Uh, yeah, right, okay, cool. So my my top three choices then. So my number three choice um is also the Ein Heer champion. Um it's that good, I painted it twice. <laughs> um, so I painted it as a Greater Thurian League Iron Heer champion, and then I took it apart and painted it again as a Neo Carrot Conglomerate Iron Heer champion, um, with a female head from the Herfkin um, Warrior Squad. Um, yeah, I, I won't go into too much more. Andy covered most of this. It, it's a really, really impressive model, and it is quite a bit bigger than the other dwarfs, even the Carl himself. So the Carl is like your main sort of HQ option. The Iron Hair Champion stands quite a bit taller and quite a bit bulkier than the than the Carl unit. Really, really cool. Uh, that's my third choice. My second choice is an old white, I guess it's technically not a squat, but maybe it is. It's Grombrindle, the, the, the white dwarf, but he's wearing the sort of Tetmarine armour with it's the dwarf in space. It, it fits the build for a space dwarf. <laughs> Dwarfs in space, there you go. And he's got a little uh, goblin or Gretchen in the servo claw. I've always loved this model. I've always, every now and then, looked on eBay to see if I can find, but they're very expensive when they do pop up. But I think he'll make a cool sort of Brock here, Iron Master for your army, maybe. I've got um, one painted up as um, a tech priest for my ad mech. Have you got one, have you? I've got one, yeah, yeah, painted. Uh, the, the, you no, know what? Oh, you, you've got a tech priest one. I'm on about the one with the servo arm. Have you got the one with the servo arm? Oh, no. No, I haven't got that one. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm yeah. I've got the Tet Priest one. Sorry. The Tet Priest one two. with the is he like a goblin wearing a robot suit or something? That yeah, that's one, the one. Yeah. 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 That one's cool as well. But I I do like the old one with the sort of Tet Priest. I think he would suit more of a Iron Head Prospector squat than a, uh, a Leagues of Otan dwarf. But what well, I don't know. He's a nice model anyway. Uh, so that's my second choice. Uh, my first, uh, my first choice. <laughs> oh, there are so many cool models in this book. I think I'm going to have a a, a, a 1.5, which is <laughs> all of the Ironkin, the Ironkin race. I love the Ironkin from, like you say, Dave, the little co-pilots in the vehicles to the assistants accompanying the Brockier Ironmasters um, to the Ironkin that you can build inside the Hefkin Warriors and the Pioneer squads. Um, there's even a really cool, if you look closely in the Codex, I'm not sure if there's any artwork on um, Warhammer Community yet, but but in the Codex, certainly, there's even Ironkin, Brockier, Thunderkin. So these are the big sort of um, broadside-looking units. You can even build some of them as Ironkin with special helms. I really, really like Ironkin. I love the models. I love the concept of them, little friendly robot assistants. I'd love to see a little bit of a dark twist for them in the future where some of them, you know, maybe there's maybe there's a league that the Ironkin revolted and now, you know, rebelled and now they it's a it's a completely Ironkin league that they run. I don't know. So I like the Ironkin. That's my 1.5. But I think my um, my first choice has to be the Cofonia Berserks. So these are the heavily augmented dwarf slayers with the massive two-handed concussion mauls and plasma axes. Um, I think these are a really, really cool um, looking unit. Uh, they look really, really good from a rules point of view as well. And I think looking at it, we've not got any sprues and built any models of these. But if you look at the art, uh, the images in the codex where the different um, accessories and stuff you can put on them, the grenade mole launcher, another Ironkin assistant, um, I think they look like a really interesting unit. Yeah. But yeah. to be fair, the whole book's full of 
number ones, I think. There's loads of cool one, uh, models in here, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really good range. Obviously put a lot of thought into them. So they are our top three choices. That just leaves us with one final segment. It's time to open the floor to the community to pick their favorite models. So we'll be right back. Every week we open up the top three to the community so they can all chip in with what their favorites are. And you haven't let us down again this week. Over on Facebook, Sean Gleason has gone for the new hover trike. Grendel Grendelson and the Cyclops, which I believe is a classic squat model. It is, yeah. Mepic. James has gone for the Land Train. He's put ridiculous but fun. The Squat Bounty Hunter for Necromunda. I think it was the first squat we'd seen for a while. And this uh, Sag- Sagittar J, is that it's pronounced? The Sagittar ATV, yeah. Mm, great looking transport, he says. Uh, Curtis has again gone for the Land Train. The Goliath Mega Cannon. The Overlord Airship, yeah. Iron Eagle Gyrocopter, and Harley Davidson. Epic Harley Davidson. Slot, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just he looks like he's really accentuated these. Um, so uh, yeah, he's 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 couldn't pick free by the looks of things. So he's gone for quite a few. Uh, Rob finishes on Facebook with again the Land Train, the Cyclops, and the Hecatron. What do we have over on Twitter, Matt? Well, there's a lot of love for squats, actually, on here. So Vulnerable Gamer says, the squat model I have for the Melter Gun that I painted for my brother 30 years ago, the epic land train, and trikes all the way. Uh, Red Tooth says, I'm going to go with the new stuff, the standard Hearthkin, the Land Fortress, and the Hover Trike Pioneers. Caveat, they must be painted orange. Hmm. Mostly the unpainted. Orange is quite nice. It is a nice scheme. It is a nice scheme. Very similar to your um, your Necromunda spot, is, isn't yeah. it? Um, mostly unpainted. It says the Colossus, the Cyclops, and the Overlord airship. Is the is the flyer in, mentioned in the codex like named at all, Jay? No, there's no name. But like I say, there are five or six references to swarms of uh, kin gunships. See, Overlord. Yeah. If you want to go for the old school reference, in the same yeah. way, the kind of the land fortresses, the reimagined land train. Overlord gunship sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, D goes for mole mortars, which we do get a mole mortar in the new range, don't we? Uh, the land train and the Overlord airship. Uh, Wargamers retreat, the Overlord airship, the termite drill. I forgot the termite was originally squat. And the Leviathan. Uh, David says the Colossus, the Cyber Slayer with two power axes, and the Votan Brock here. And finally, Alistair says the land train, the Cyclops. And the Overlord airship, yeah, I I suspect we'll see a reimagined Overlord airship. It might not be a giant like hot air balloon style thing. It might be like some awesome sci-fi like flyer or something. But I suspect <laughs> inspiration may be drawn from that old epic model, mightn't it? Yeah, well, I'm sure there's been some artwork on the Warhammer Community website. I'll try and have a look where in the background you can see some unusual looking flying things. UFOs. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that's a a glimpse of things to come. And thinking back, the Adeptus Mechanicus never had any flies in their codex when that first came out. Now they got some flies added, and that was outside of the codex cycle, I believe. They were added, weren't they? Yeah. So potentially there, you could see more units coming for the leagues of OTAN before then. It's codex. Well, you see, we we had the uh, Broken Realm series for AOS, which tied second edition to third edition, and we got quite a few releases for existing armies in that. So. 
if we are going to go through the transition from ninth edition to 10th edition, it's not out of the question that we get some supplements maybe with some extra stuff for books before we go to 10th. Um, excellent. Um, thanks again to everybody for chipping in with your top threes. Uh, leads me to ask the question, Matt, what is next week's top three? Well, Jay isn't going to be happy about this one. Next week, we've got the Disciples of Zinch on the way, and we'll probably be talking about them on the show. Hashtag spoilers. So we want to know your top three Grand Alliance Chaos models. Okay, okay. Um, so we will be asking the question over on Facebook and Twitter on the Sunday or Monday before the next podcast recording. So uh, please feel free to pop a comment on there uh, and let us know what your top three is, and we'll read as many as we can out on the next show um is that... there a chaos guard who hates chaos guards there, there was yes there was malal the god of yeah. cha- literally chaos tearing itself apart there you go yeah i'll have what it is uh followers and that unfortunately brings uh this week's podcast to a close thanks again for joining me guys yeah, it's been a pleasure. It's been it's yeah. been a very hard to resist buying squats kind of episode. <laughs> Can't wait to have a game against your squats, Jay. Um, yeah, the, 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 the Neo Carrot conglomerate cannot wait to start the crusade. And with that, we shall call it a day. Uh, we'll speak to you all again next week. Have a great week of hobby. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruceandbrews.com and if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruceandbrews or head over to facebook.com forward slash spruceandbrews. Brews.